All of us have experienced the death of a loved one, and that deep loss brings about a variety of responses from us. Things happen to us physically as a result of this grief, and emotionally, of course, but then also spiritually, there are questions that come in our minds that we're not quite able to understand for a while. In 2 Peter 1.3, we read that the Bible has everything we need for life and godliness. Death is a big part of life. So God graciously teaches us so many rich lessons through his word about how we can deal with the grief that will come into our life at one point or another. I decided to interview several ladies who have gone through a variety of kinds of losses, and they're going to share with us both their struggles as well as their victories and how they were ministered to during that time of deep grief. On the last episode of the podcast, I talked with Melanie Forrest, who was describing her sister Sharon's death and the things that they have learned since that death. You might want to take the time to listen to that episode before this one. On this episode, I'm talking with Deanna, who is Sharon, Eric, Cindy, and Melanie's mother. Deanna's going to basically be referring to her husband's death, which was shortly after Sharon's. But of course, she's going to bring up some things that refer to Sharon as well. So you might want a little bit of the background behind it. Deanna, tell us about when you got saved. I was saved at a Wesleyan Methodist church at a revival meeting when I was 12 years old and came to realize that I was a sinner, lost and headed for hell and needed to accept Christ as my Savior in order to have any hopes of eternal life. It was an old-fashioned church with an altar down front. When the invitation was given at the end, I remember saying to my mother, who was sitting beside, I've got to go get saved. And she just shook her head yes and patted me on the back. And I went forward and knelt at the altar and prayed and asked the Lord to come into my heart and to save me from my sins. After Mike and I were married, I rededicated my life to the Lord And we started attending church at, it was then Northeast Baptist Church in Indianapolis with Pastor Wendell Heller. Growing up in a Wesleyan Methodist church, I had no assurance of my salvation. And so I guess I could say I was saved several times. That, of course, isn't biblical, but that's what I was taught as a kid. It was a pretty miserable life. But after we started attending Northeast Baptist Church in Indianapolis, I came to realize that once you're saved, nobody can pluck you out of the Lord's hand. And that's where I received assurance of my salvation. In the Wesleyan Methodist Church, I was sprinkle baptized. But after attending Northeast, I realized I needed to be baptized by immersion and followed the Lord in baptism then. That's where I really started to grow as a believer. So you mentioned about Mike. Tell us about when you met him. I met Mike in 1963. He was a freshman at Purdue University, and I was a freshman at Ball State University. And we had good friends that were dating. They actually were friends of mine from high school. I met Mike through them. And I know when we went on our first date, we went to the Indiana State Fair, and I didn't like him at all. Oh, you didn't? (laughs) I thought, there's no way. (laughs) 
<laughs> I could ever like Mike. Oh, that's funny. But the Lord turned all that around. Then we were married in 1967 after graduating from college. And how many children do you have? We have four children. We have Sharon. She was our firstborn. And then Eric was born three years later. And then Cindy was born two years after that. And Melanie was born a year after that. You had a busy five years there. Tell us about the circumstances of Mike's death. Well, it was in July of 2018. And Mike just all at once started feeling badly. Hmm. Uh, He had a lot of stomach pain. And we went to the emergency room because we couldn't figure out what the stomach pain was coming from. And they did a scan on him. And they found a spot on his pancreas. And they admitted him to the hospital for further testing. Right away, was that? Right away. And they did that testing that night. And by the next morning, he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. This was in the middle of July. Mm -hmm. Around the first week of August, they attempted the Whipple surgery on him. But that was unsuccessful. Okay. And he started chemo then in September. And they added the radiation to that in December. But neither one of those was being successful. So we decided that we would attempt to get help for him. We took him to the Cancer Center of America in Chicago. That was on February 21st in 2019. It was about a half a year after he'd been diagnosed, after they had found the cancer. While we were there at the Cancer Center, he we were only there for two days, mm-hmm. but he declined rapidly those two days. And when we met with the last doctor, Mike was really out of it. Mm. But I remember asking this doctor how long he thought we had. And he said, I think you probably have one to two weeks. Wow. And that's all he said. But I remember after he left the room, Mike looked at me <laughs> and he heard and understood I think more than I realized. Sure. And he said, so Deanna, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be okay. That's right. And I know he meant I'm going to be with the Lord. Right. He knew. And I said, yeah, honey, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be just fine. We took him home. That was on a Saturday. And when we got home, we contacted hospice so that Mm -hmm. they could help to make him comfortable. And they were scheduled to come the next day on Sunday, but Mike passed away at three o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning, February 24th, 2019. I know upon hearing of his diagnosis, and I remember our son said to me, oh, mom, that's one of the worst cancers you can have. The Lord brought to my mind over and over and over again my life verse, which is Jeremiah 29, 11. And that verse says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's our hope, is a future in heaven one day with him. Even on his tombstone, you chose to put the the verse that says, absent from the body and present with the Lord. Does that concept that he was here three o'clock in the morning, then at 3.01 or whatever time it was, he was in the presence of the Lord. Does that bring you some comfort? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. You know, the Lord said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That is something that happens 
immediately when we take our last breath. And we cannot imagine what that is like, but I know Mike knows now. And I know if he were to come back and tell me anything, I've thought of this a lot, I know he would come back and say, oh, it's all true. Oh, it's wonderful. We can rest in the assurance that God's plans are good for us and that we have hope for this life, but more importantly, we can have hope for all eternity. And you know, for a believer, it was actually a gift from God to you and to Mike that he didn't have to suffer very long. Right. He only had a few months, but it would have been so much hurt and pain and suffering for him had God allowed him to stay on the earth that I think it was of God's mercy that he took him when he did. Yes. And so, like you say, I'm, I'm glad he's with the Lord. I, even though I would love to have him back here with me. Of course. He's in a much, much better place. And I'm very thankful for that. So we heard already some of the story about Sharon. What did you find were some of the differences in your grieving for Sharon versus Mike? It was so close together, but there had to be some ways that it was different with the two of them. It was. My grieving for Sharon was different, I think, mainly because it's not supposed to happen that way. We don't think of a parent as being supposed to have to bury a child. She had young children that she was leaving behind, and that made it so hard to accept. It was a different kind of grieving. Sharon had a longer illness than Mike did, and so there was more time to accept her death and more time to get ready for her death, but that didn't make it any easier, that's for sure. I felt like with Sharon, she had her whole life to look forward to. And she wasn't going to be able to do that. Sharon's illness was so prolonged that there was a lengthy period of time to the grieving process that started early. But with Mike, his death came quickly. It was not easier to accept because it's never easy to lose somebody that we love. But because of the longer time that Mike and I had had together, I was perhaps prepared more for it. We'd been given 52 years of our lives together. Good point. And pancreatic cancer is entirely different. It has a different terminal diagnosis oh, than I Sharon's diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Okay. So with Sharon, I can actually say I felt there was more hope that she would recover than I had with Mike, just because of the two differences in the, the types of cancer that they are. Also... Because of Mike's time in the military, he already had some health problems as it was before his diagnosis. So right. I'm sure that that would have also shortened his life, you know. Right. Mike had been exposed to Agent Orange, and that caused a lot of breathing issues for him. He actually suffered more than anybody ever knew that caused difficulties long before the pancreatic cancer even. When he had come in contact with that IED, he had shrapnel in his body, didn't he? Yes, he did. So he had some trouble with his legs for all those years. Right. He had trouble walking. He had a lot of neuropathy in his mm -hmm. feet and legs from uh, the shrapnel that was in there. 
so he had a lot of trouble getting around. But Mike was a fighter. He was an IT auditor at Flagstar Bank, and he worked at his job up until December before he died in February. So a month and a half before he died. That's amazing. Yes. So uh, the Lord gave him a lot of strength. I guess so. Unusual strength. You must have been just wiped out from helping Sharon. How did that affect your care for Mike since they were so close to their each other's diagnoses? Those days are hard for me to even remember. I'm sure. But I did have from December when Sharon passed away until July when Mike was diagnosed to recover physically from Sharon's care to taking over Mike's care. But, you know, it was more of an emotional exhaustion because I felt like, Joy, that I had been rapidly hit twice, both in my head and in my heart. And I was more emotionally exhausted than physically exhausted. Well, I'm sure you were. It was just something that had to be done. I heard it said from someone that strength comes from our struggles. And when you learn to see your struggles as opportunities to become stronger and better, then your thinking shifts from, I can't do this, to I must do this. Circumstances do change your whole outlook on life. And when we go through struggles, God gives us the strength. I know we don't always comprehend how we're going to be able to do it, but we don't have to know that ahead of time. As we're going through those times, God gives us the strength that we need when we need it. Yes, right. And not a day sooner. Yes. Second Corinthians, I think it's in chapter 12. The verse tells us that when we are weak, he is strong. Without him, I could never have done it. Because I know I would pray every morning, Lord, you give me the strength to get through this day, not knowing what the day was going to bring. And some days brought a lot more difficulties than other Mm -hmm. days. But God was always right there helping with his strength when we needed it. What were some of the helpful things that people said or did during even the time that Mike was sick or shortly after his death? What? What were some practical ways that people really ministered to you? Well, there were many ways. But before I say something about that, let me say, you know, so many times when somebody's going through a hard time, and I know I'm guilty of this, we want to say to them, let me know if there's anything I can do. Right. (laughs) We've all said that. And I think this taught me to try not to say that to someone that it would just be better to just volunteer to do some act of kindness. Because when somebody's going through a really hard time, they usually don't know how to tell you what they need. They, they don't even know what they need. And just encouragement with words of, I care, I'm praying for you. A card in the mail. Oh, how I looked forward to going to the mail and having some cards to open. And those are keepsakes. And I still to this day will go back through and read them. Today in the email age, just sending an email and saying, I love you. I'm thinking about you. And I'm praying for you. When you see somebody, just give them a hug. That means a lot. You don't have to say anything. 
a good friend of mine said to me, you know, you never let the presence of a storm make you doubt the presence of God. And just sayings like that, that can be said to a person to encourage are so important. In this day and age, we can find things that people have said that are good reminders just with the click of a button and just even calling them up and reading a phrase to them or sending them a message on Facebook. That's all so encouraging. And it's just good to know that people are praying for you. If we say we're going to pray for somebody, then by all means do it. That's a good reminder. Because people really are counting on that. You know, sometimes I feel like when I just say something, here's a verse, here's an encouraging thought, um, I'm praying for you, whatever. It feels like that's not enough for all the grief that the person is going through. I feel so inadequate. It feels to me like my words are, they're not doing anything. They're not taking any action. So it feels like it's it's ineffective. But what you're saying is that's actually the thing that means the world to a person who's going through a loss. Yes. Or just your presence. I know at Mike's funeral, there were a lot of people who came to the viewing and they would say to me, I don't know what to say. And I would just look at them and say, you're here. That's the most important thing. So sometimes when we don't know what to say or we feel like our words are inadequate, we don't even have to say anything. Just your presence means the world. What were some of the other things that people did that were a special help to you or blessing to you, even while he was sick? I had people come and clean my house. I had people scrub my toilets. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a pleasant task. (laughs) (laughs) People brought meals. And even if it wasn't a whole meal, just a bagel. To get you by. Yeah. Things like that were great. We had people who mowed our yard. I had a lot of fellows from church say to me, if your furnace goes out, call me. If you need your windows washed, call me. We'll come and do anything. Tell them about the man who came and would just give a ride to Mike when he needed it. Oh my. As Mike grew weaker, I wasn't able to get him into the car and out of the car by myself. There was one particular gentleman who said to me, can I come and take him to his appointments? Can I help you get him there? Such a wonderful idea. Oh, that just was truly sent from the Lord. He would actually come. He would be there early, bless his heart, and he would help me get Mike into the car. And then he would drive Mike and me to the doctor, and he would help me get Mike out of the car, into the wheelchair, and into the doctor. And he would sit in the doctor's visit with us. And I appreciated that so much because, you know, an extra set of ears is always good. We didn't care that he heard what the doctor had to say. It was just a blessing because sometimes you leave the doctor's office and you don't know for sure. You get to thinking, is that what they said? And it's good to have another set of ears that can say, yes, that's what they said, or no, that's not quite what they said. I would have never thought of something like that, but that's such a wonderful gift. It really was. 
And, you know, as a person gets weaker, they can't always read, comprehend what they've read. There were people that would come and just sit and read scripture to Mike. That's, again, a wonderful idea. That was such a blessing and such an encouragement. It doesn't have to be any particular thing, any particular passage, just something Nor does that, it have to be very long. It could just be a short It doesn't have to passage. be very long. Right. Psalms are wonderful to read to people. See, that's something practical that we don't often think about. And right. even the person who's going through the grieving process or caring for a sick, ailing one, they would never think to ask, can you just sit and read scripture to them or read them from their favorite book or whatever it is? That's not something they would think about in the moment, but it would be such a help and encouragement. Right. And I know there were some gentlemen at church who would just come and say, can I just sit and talk? And they would just sit and pass the time of day. That was encouraging too. A lot of times gentlemen from church would come and they would sit with Mike and that would give me time that I could get away for a little while. Go get something to eat or whatever it was. Yes. Or even... Mm -hmm. As much as I hate it, go to the grocery store. Those are necessary things, though, we have to do. But it gave me peace of mind knowing that somebody was there with him if he needed help while I was gone. Or just a companion that he didn't have to be alone. Right. Just things like that. It's so important. And it meant a lot. I should say. Well, speaking of the scripture verses, what kind of verses or maybe some passages, what were especially helpful to you while you were caring for Mike in his weakness and then also after the Lord took him home? First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. That meant a lot to both Mike and I because we knew that we could lay our head down on the pillow at night and rest assured knowing that God is taking care of us, and we can give him all of our cares. Every minute he cares for us. I know in your bedroom, it, there's a saying that says, when you can't sleep, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd. Right, and we kept that sitting by our bed. There were many, many times that we couldn't sleep because of him being uncomfortable, and sometimes you're just too tired to go to sleep. And it helped to talk to the Lord together. Jeremiah 31.3 was another passage that meant a lot. That one says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. That's beautiful. Every minute, Joy, he loves us. Every minute he cares for us and every minute he loves us. And there is nobody that does that more than he. And those were great comfort. I'm a person that I can get real anxious. I have to fight that. I'm getting better at it. I used to be a great worrier. But going through what I went through with Sharon and her, I, I guess I could say horrific death because it was. And then going through this with Mike has taught me that I can have assurance that God's with me and I don't need to be anxious. I think of the passage in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Want me to read that to you? 
Sure. That one says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There were times that I just had to stop and think of all of those things that we need to think about and not all of our problems and be anxious about them. You know, sometimes God also comforts us with hymns. That's what the other ladies have said as well. Oh, really? Well, let me tell you, the first Sunday after Mike passed away at church, the congregation sang day by day. And I know as they sang that first stanza of that hymn, I just had tears rolling down my cheeks. Of course. Because that hymn, that first stanza says, day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. It's so beautiful. We sang that hymn just the other day at church. We hadn't sung it for a long time. And that meant so much. I think of all the hymns, that is one of them that we can go to ever so often because we all have trials that we go through. And the Lord is with us day by day. How do you think God has used your circumstances in the last, let's say, five, six years even, to be a ministry and a blessing to other people. I know you well enough to know that you're probably not going to want to say that, you know, you're being used because you're just a humble person. But God doesn't waste our trials. And he always uses them for his glory, but also for the enrichment of other people. In Second Corinthians, Paul is describing all of the difficulties that he has gone through with the shipwrecks and the beatings and the famines and the persecution just because he was preaching. Then he says, all these things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So there is a point in it that our trials also help other people to be able to learn from us or to be able to do things differently than we did. So how do you think God's already used it? Well, I think going back to the words we say, I think God taught me through this and is teaching me that I don't have to be eloquent with my speech. Just my presence with somebody that's going through a trial can mean ever so much to them. And I know sometimes we think, I'm no good at helping somebody. 
but it has taught me that I can do things to help people. I can just be there. I can call them to show them I care about them and to pray with them right there on the phone. You know, sometimes we say, I'll be praying for you. Well, how about just praying right then? That's a good point. And then they know that you're praying for them. I think the Lord has taught me that because I had people do that with me. I think we can encourage them in helping them to know, as Deuteronomy says, and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I think it's important when people are facing losing someone that we encourage them to not jump ahead. Borrow tomorrow's troubles. Tomorrow takes care of itself. And so many times when we are facing maybe a loved one's death, we want to jump ahead and borrow the time after Mm -hmm. they're already gone. Sure. And treasure the time that you have. I think that is so important. I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does in a sense, because that's something that you probably learned both with your experience with Sharon as well as with Mike. That you couldn't get worried about what am I going to do when I get the phone call. You had to rejoice in the moments that you had, the good or the bad, because God had ordained each of those moments. I do feel like God gave you a gift in the sense that for both of these deaths, you had a little bit of warning. So in other words, you had enough time to say everything you wanted to say before the Lord took them home. Whereas for a person whose loved one dies in a car accident, let's say, for example, they don't have that preparation time to say everything they want to say. And then I, I feel like there's some regrets. One of the last things that Mike said to me when he could still make his words make sense, we had prayed and he took my hand and he squeezed it. And he said, Deanna, we have no regrets. And no, we really didn't have any regrets. Oh, through our married life, we had our times. Yeah, of course. As every couple does. But we had no regrets. We always made sure that everything was okay. That's one of the things that Eric mentioned in the eulogy that he gave from Mike at the funeral was that he remembered his mom and dad saying many times, no regrets. And that is so important that I would encourage people to live their life that way with their loved ones. Now, I say there's no regrets. Let me say this. I do have one. That is that I was not with Sharon when she passed away. I was not by Mike's side when he passed away. And I wished I had been, but God chose for it not to be that way. And that's okay because I know where they are. Because the Lord knows your temperament to be more of an anxious personality, maybe he didn't want the last image of your loved ones to be in their dying moment. Maybe he wanted you to remember them in the good moments instead. Right. And praise God for his wisdom. Well, thank you so much for your time. Several times I have thought this, and I've told you this, that I don't know how you and your family, you endured Those three or four years, it was one problem after another and loss and 
confusion and anxiety, but I so appreciate the fact that all of you have stayed faithful to the Lord, not bitter, but just choosing to rejoice in your suffering and find out what lessons he wants to teach you. And you're still being faithful to the Lord. And so I know your testimony is going to be encouraging to many people. Well, I hope that it will be joy. And it's only through God's abundant love and his faithfulness that we can make it through hard times. Praise God.